Good morning, everybody. So my name is Phil. If you don't know me, uh, I'm the children's team leader uh, here at church. Gem uh, and my wife sitting down there. Uh, last time I came to speak to Sanctuary, I think she was sat in exactly the same place next to a heat, heat duct. Uh, uh, we've got three small children. Uh, uh, not so small anymore. Iris, Penny, Barney. Uh, we've had our kind of family argument already this morning, so got that out of the way, and they've gone off to an auntie's, so they're not here with us. Um, so that's who I am. Um, if you haven't been here for a while, or maybe just to give you a little reminder, we're th- halfway through a series titled A Culture of Hope. Um, we've had a talk from Sarah Couchman Uh, on Psalm 23, about um, the hope in there and living life, knowing that God is always with us. Uh, Tom spoke about having confidence in God and confidence in the fact that Jesus is at work in our lives today. Monica spoke about the hope of God, of a God who changes lives. Um, And Mark spoke about the wondrous book that we have the Bible, and the hope we have in being able to meet God through reading it and studying it. And I get to talk this morning about the biggest hope that we have, which is Jesus himself. His life, his purpose, his death and resurrection, his promise of the kingdom on earth, his kingdom on earth, the hope that when we come up short, when we stumble, when we struggle in life, when we make mistakes, We have the hope of forgiveness and a better life and a life without end and the restoration of God's creation. Easy. Nope. No. But amazing. Yes. So I'm going to start with a word and the word is kingdom. Um, Jesus talked a lot in his life about the kingdom of God, which he was bringing a new, different way of life. He was living an offering, and an act of self-sacrifice, which would have cosmic consequences. So I'm going to structure this talk around this idea of kingdom with three kind of subheadings. Hope, so we're talking about hope. Hope of the kingdom is for all. Hope of the kingdom is for free, and the hope of the kingdom is for now. It's for all, it's for free, and it's for now. So, we've read this passage from Romans. Thank you, Tony. And one word that we've also talked and prayed this morning is the word sin. We've prayed it in our liturgy. We've talked about sin. And um, I just wondered if you could raise your hand if you are a sinner. Yeah. Yeah. It's all of us. It's all of us. Um, In the passage, Paul writes that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And most people take this to highlight the fact that we all sin. We all choose to live our lives out of selfish desires in the hope of things that don't bring true fulfillment because only God does that. That's how he created us to be fulfilled in a relationship with him. 
And we have this beautiful picture in Genesis of a garden, which is good, and it's growing, and it's flourishing, and it's beautiful. And the people in it walk together with God. They are his image bearers in the natural world, and they do his job of ruling over the land as kings and queens made in God's image. They're perfect love and justice and care. It's a nice picture, isn't it? Now, whether you take that story literally or not, when we follow it through, somewhere along the line, people start to live selfishly, to put their own desires before God's perfect way of life, to take what's not theirs to take, to seek pleasure and ease and status at the expense of others, and soon enough, if you follow the story, to kill others for their personal benefit. And this causes a separation from God, a separation from God's perfect start. God still relates to people, but now from a bit of a distance. It's not such a nice picture anymore. And it's the picture of the human kingdom. But then God steps in, back in, and begins to restore relationship through Abraham and his descendants. And throughout their history, they're given various ways to live a life which draws them closer into relationship with God through worship, and closer to live the right way, righteously, through observing the law. But it's not enough to fully restore that relationship with God and bring back the beauty of God's original creation life. So I'm going to pause the story here and come back to Romans, because it's quite interesting to know who Paul was writing to and what he was writing in response to. Um, The Roman church was made up of both Gentiles and Jews. And the Jews in the church had had a pretty rough time of late because they'd come under persecution in Rome. And Jews had been expelled from Rome and then only recently been allowed back in. So it suggested that they'd be feeling pretty vulnerable. And in that vulnerability, maybe were trying to assert themselves over their fellow followers of Jesus by raising their status as God's chosen people and maybe bringing back some of their old Jewish observances and trying to live under the law. And with this backdrop, Paul writes to kind of quell this division between Jews and non-Jews by saying, there's no difference anymore. There's no need for the law. And keeping that law isn't going to restore the relationship. It's just going to show you how difficult it is to try and live that perfect life. It says all have fallen short. All need to believe in Jesus to restore the relationship with God. And here's the first point that I said, the hope of the kingdom is for all, because all need it. And it's easy, I think, for us to look around at other people and think, oh, look at them, amazing They're so much more deserving of God's love than me. Look at their life. It's so much more worthy of God. And it's just as easy to look around at other people and think, they don't deserve God's love. 
Um, they don't deserve the, the gift of restoration. But the truth is, there's no point in us trying to judge, is there? Instead, we need to love. Because all are being made right with God, or can be made right with God. It's for all. It's for you and for me. It's for our, for our neighbours. It's for difficult teenagers causing a public disturbance. Uh, it's for people who shout at your wife when she just gently bumps their car, which happened to us recently. <laughs> it's for all. Right, back into the story. So the Jews were waiting for a hero. Someone who would come and restore Jerusalem, the Messiah, the king, who would restore the kingdom of David and sit on his throne and restore the great nation. And in step, Jesus. He was a master of the law. He knew. He lived it. He kept it perfectly. And he pleased God. But he presented a different kingdom view to what they expected. Instead of raising an army and throwing out the Romans, he healed and loved the unloved, befriended and touched the untouchables and showed that love and self-sacrifice for the sake of others is the way of life people were called into. When Jesus walked around Galilee, proclaiming good news and telling people he was the one who was prophesied, we can tell the effect it had because crowds of people gathered to see him. And we're told that the news spread because of the things he did, his healings and his miracles, and the authority with which he spoke. And people loved the things that he was doing and the restoration he was bringing in people's lives. His message was one of repenting, turning back, turning away from a life into a different direction towards God and to follow him and be part of his new kingdom way of living. And not everyone found this message easy to take, did they? Because it was because of what it required of them. In Mark, we read the story of the rich man who asked, "What can I? What must I do to inherit eternal life?" And Jesus, who'd gone through all of the commandments with him, and he'd said, "Yeah, I've done that. Yeah, I do that. I've done that since I was born. I've I've lived perfectly." Said, "Well." When you go away, give all your money to the poor, and then that's a new start for you. And the man went away sad, because that was perhaps too big a price for him to pay. Now, Jesus didn't ask everybody to do that, but that was that for that man. That was the, the challenge for that man. And the disciples were a bit confused by this, and they said, Whoa, it's so hard to enter the kingdom of God. And Jesus said, yes, it's hard for people, but with God, all things are possible. So there's a bit of a kind of, 
when I've been preparing this talk, I've been thinking this is a bit of a, it's not a paradox, but it's, it's interesting that in one sense, Jesus' hope of kingdom is free. Justification, um, a new you is free through what he did. But sometimes it is hard to step into. And in today's Romans passage, we're told that we're justified freely by Jesus' grace. And Paul goes to great lengths to tell us that the gift of being made right with God, being justified, being redeemed, bought out of slavery, um, cannot be earned by the quality of our moral lives. No matter how much effort we put into living God's way, we're still bound to mess up, cannot restore that broken relationship with God. But God can, and he did. When Jesus, who, was observed, who had observed the law perfectly, and was able to live life as God intended, was put on trial and executed, his perfect life of obedience and love for God was given in exchange for all the disobedience and the death-bringing sin of humanity. And when he rose to life again, he showed that God had conquered death forever. And this is great hope. It's amazing. And this is the second point, that we're offered this clean slate for free. Our hope of the kingdom is for free. We're told the righteousness is given through the faithfulness of Jesus Christ to all who believe. And I think we're offered a simple invitation. Believe and be made right with God, despite all the mess of our lives and our constant failing, and live in a restored relationship with God for eternity. The hope of the kingdom is for free. And this hope is what we carry with us. Because, here's the third point, the hope of the kingdom is for now and for everyone around us. And we need to share the news and to live in it. Now, I used to believe that becoming a Christian was a bit like this. I learn about Jesus. I make a choice to trust and believe in him. I say a a special prayer. My sin is gone, and I get a golden ticket to eternal life. I'm in. And then I go and do the job of telling everyone else about it. But now I believe there's so much more to being a follower of Jesus. Because although all those things are true, belief in Jesus requires a bit more of us. Jesus said, the kingdom of God is here within your midst. He said that to the Pharisees. His kingdom is for now. And as we believe and trust and follow him, we're invited to live life like he did. And to take part in the restoration of the world. We're told that one day there will be a final act. When Jesus comes again and when God will bring both justice 
um, and judgment and restoration to all of creation. To bring it back to that relationship at the start. But I don't believe we're just told to sit around and wait for that day. Because instead there's work to be done now. And as we follow Jesus, we get to share in his kingdom's work of bringing hope and restoration and grace and love and truth and justice into the lives of all of those around us. Not to earn righteousness, because Jesus did that for us, but because belief in Jesus compels us to do it. The other amazing hope for now is that we have the Holy Spirit. The power of God, the breath of God living in us to help us and guide us as followers of our disciples of Jesus. We get to live in his kingdom and to be gradually transformed closer and closer to that relationship that we should have with Jesus, with God. That closeness and intimacy described in the garden of Genesis. And that's what I want. Is that what you want? That closeness with God? Oh, it's a beautiful picture. As we live, try and live like Jesus, we see his kingdom grow around us. And through the relationships that we have and the good things that we do to bless others, It's a journey we go on, I think, and all of our lives are different. So what the kingdom growing through you looks like might be different to what it looks like growing through me. But the signs of the kingdom in us are the same, I think. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, just for starters. The fruit of his spirit, his life, restoring spirit, changing us. And that's good stuff. So, as we reflect on this culture of hope that we live in, and our world desperately needs, here's the challenge. Do we believe this gift is free for us? That Jesus wants to restore us, to gently do it? And are we spending enough time with him through prayer, reading his word, sharing our lives with other followers of Jesus in order to allow that to happen? Secondly, if the hope of the kingdom is for all and for free, Who around you are you sharing this free gift of hope with? And if you're not seeing that, ask God to show you. Show you who you can share it with. And he'll make it clear. And if the kingdom is for now, how are you being Jesus to the people around you each day? At work or at home, in a cafe, or on the street, or online. I'm sure you are all doing a brilliant job. 
Jesus, I'm just going to finish with this. Um, as I was preparing this talk, I came across, like looking through what Jesus said about the kingdom, he told lots of stories, parables about the kingdom. And he told this one which I, I didn't remember. It felt like I was coming to it new, and maybe I was. Um, and he said, the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed, which a man plants in a field, it grows into a tall plant and into a tree, and birds come and nest in it. And I quite like trees, and I like birds, so I quite like this picture. And it's beautiful. And I think it's a kind of glimpse at the power of Jesus' kingdom, good news, that from small, humble beginnings, great, beautiful things can grow. And whether that's a seed of faith in your heart or the heart of a new believer, which grows to change them and change their life, or the little seeds that you sow when you do good things around you. So I want to cling on to that picture when I look at the world around me, which sometimes seems hopeless and dark that there's a kingdom of hope and love and light that is at work and that we can be part of. And that's all I have to say. So let me say a prayer. Father, I just thank you for the chance this morning to to look at some of this stuff, to see you, Again, and Jesus to see and reflect on your life and what you did for us through dying. Lord, I pray that as we carry on in this service and as we go through our communion liturgy and the act, Lord, that it would be so real for us this morning. Thank you for your love and for your invitation to be part of this kingdom of hope. Amen.